Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Yvette, who is the midlife rock star. So Yvette, I would love for you to tell us what your business is about to start with. Hi, thank you for inviting me on the program. Um, yeah, well, I decided to coin the name midlife rock star myself um, on the basis that I think um, it's really important to arrive at this point and not feel fear and not feel scared of being midlife. So by attaching this word rock star to it, we're just um, revving it up a little bit, which is what I believe um, we need to be doing in, in midlife. So in fact, um, the whole business really is about helping women really sort of step into that space where life can sometimes feel like it's unraveling. And um, what I do is create an online community whereby women who are journeying through midlife and who potentially feel conflicted and confused can have a really safe space to, um, to speak, speak their truth and to collaborate and to also see that this space isn't, isn't this time in space isn't um, one to fear or one to dread. And in fact, it couldn't be a better point to start um, to sort of, I guess, go back and get unfinished business done. So um, potential, So, what I do is really help them to find the resources, whether they be personal, professional, create this uh, community and um, have access to resources. And uh, it's more important for me to just emphasize this space, space to speak, which is very different to perhaps being on a Facebook group where everyone and their dogs sort of in a group and you know potentially you want to say something but you're worried about you're worried about um somebody else maybe being in the group that maybe doesn't have the same views as you or in fact you just you just don't have the confidence to say what's really going on for you so this is um it's a paid platform whereby you're in there because you want to make change and everyone's in there because they've all committed um, and they're honouring each other um, and helping one another move forward and journey through. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? The vision I had when I was listening to you is um, of you helping midlife women become the own rock stars of their lives. Absolutely. And that is so important. Because it's at midlife usually that our problems catch up with us. If we've been mothers, that's also the time when our kids leave the nest. And so we're left to wonder who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very often when things start to fall apart, as you said. I had mm -hmm. a bit of an early, early one myself because mine was more in my mid-30s. So I was an early midlife rock star. But if I can say something about the midlife rock star, that uh, group that you're or movement I think it's a movement mm. is mm. that the the thing that put me off first joining your group was the midlife word 
But because you added rock star to it, I was like, I'm in it. That's it. I'm a rock star. I know it. I would never call myself a rock star, but because it's associated with the midlife and it's like, yeah, it's got the right vibe. So I, I think that speaks a lot because in midwife, midlife, midwife, in midlife, it's almost like people will tell you that the best is behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of women feel like regret maybe for what mm-hmm. hasn't happened or maybe mm-hmm. for a relationship that hasn't worked out. Um, that was definitely the case for me. I was grieving mm-hmm. my first marriage um, that I had l- entered thinking it would be for life. Mm-hmm. And so when it wasn't for life, it was, I felt like a failure. I didn't feel like a rock star at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but you are going to make these women feel, or you are making these women feel like they are rock stars and and that's just so important I think it's the whole thing came about for me when I realized you know it's it's this this thing where I mean as a 55 year old person woman you know I mean I've had the group now I've had this whole rock star thing going for about uh, probably three years and oh, okay. because at this point, you know, in my 50s, I'm like, do you know what? I just don't, I don't understand. It's probably because I arrived in my 50s and suddenly people were calling me midlife and I'm like, mm. and then I'm like, I realised that this word didn't, it didn't match how I actually felt. And I thought, why am I denying this word? that defines or, or that says it's a stage of my life. And I'm like, well, if I'm in denial, am I the only person? And I realised that this was a big thing, um, that this word midlife had an energy and an attachment around it that represented, you know, old and not sexy and you're finished. And I thought, well, hell no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, hell no, that's not how I feel. And I decided, you know, I'll really wanted to focus on rebranding it because you know if you're going to call me it then I was going to own it but feel good about owning it and then I just realized that other women were like oh well, no I'm not I'm not midlife and I'm like well actually what's wrong with the word mm-hmm. if you were midlife what does it mean to you and I sort of was able through research to understand that it just it just meant washed up mm-hmm. and we're it's really good clean yeah, it just needed a good clean, it needed a good makeover, it needed to be re-energised, and essentially that's what we're doing in midlife, we're, re, we're, we're doing all of that, like you said earlier about, you know, the focus is no longer perhaps on, not for many, the focus is not on the children anymore, it becomes back to you, and um, suddenly you've found yourself looking at you and perhaps your partner and your life, and it's like, well, hold on, hold on, I'm, I'm not even a part of this anymore. I've, I've, I've almost been a passenger in my own life. So it's a real it's a real point whereby, you know, it can be quite, quite disturbing to see all of your life unraveling and thinking, well, everything that I've focused on is no longer here. So it's a time to redefine, refocus, re-energize and recharge. And it's like re, 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 whatever you want to put, redefine. It's just... It's just an amazing point in your life if you've got the support to understand what's going on. And the perspective is essential. The the perspective of what's really going on, because as your life unravels, it's not a very 
stable place. And so um, with instability comes confusion and with confusion comes chaos. And if all that's happening and you haven't got a community of women to say to, say to you, look, this is what's going to happen or potentially this happened to me, I got through it or that didn't happen to me, but I do know someone else that can that specializes in that area and they can help you with that. But if you're going through that alone in your kitchen um, and all you've ever heard is the old stereotypes from generations ago, which is you're going bat crazy, <laughs> you know, it's just, it can be very, very frightening. And mm. with that fear, the panic sets in and then you sort of looking and thinking, yeah, okay. So the reality of it is, if, if as a young mom or young, if as a mother, you choose these roles and I'm going off on a tangent here, but you, let's say for instance, you decide to become a mother and you become a mother. You're certainly not pushing your pram in your um, manil, Manila Blanics. You're, you're pushing them in something a bit more um, realistic, which is probably trainers and flat shoes. And, you know, you've dressed down because you're in the park. So you're not in your high heels and your business suit. So over a period of time, your, your look and everything about you has changed to suit that period in your life. When all of that has changed and all of that's moving away from you, you're coming back to looking at self and thinking, well, actually, I don't know what, I, I don't even know what my style is anymore, or I don't know what the new style is that I want to go into. I don't have the confidence to, to wear what I used to wear, but that's just thinking. That's just about the thoughts that are going on in your head. You know, if you've not worn high heels for the longest time, trust me, they're not that easy to just jump back in and wear again. You've got to sort of retrain yourself and start wearing, you know, a quarter inch heel and then take it up a bit. So there's such subtle changes that if you don't realise or you don't get the perspective, you kind of, it's easy for you to think, I've lost it, but I can assure you, you've not. There's just so many things that you've got to tackle all at the same time and they all need they've all got their space and their place and you know with the support I think it just it can be a really fun time really fun I agree with you and I'm looking back on my younger self where all of that was happening and I still remember to this day I was 30 I was actually 35 and it was slightly before I left my husband and I was just I had designed my life to please others. Mm. So I got married. I had two children. I chose a job that wasn't really the job that I wanted because mm. it was safe, it was secure, and I made my parents happy. I was the only child who was married with kids, so they were over the moon being French. It's like the family's so important. Um, so, And I woke up one day and I was like, what's in it for me? Mm. And I was like, I don't know. Why, why am I not feeling happier than I am? I'm supposed to have everything. I have a career. I have a husband. I have children. I have a house. I have a car. Um, what's wrong with me? Which is the main question. Yeah. What's wrong with me? And then I realized there's nothing wrong with you. You've just people pleased your entire life. So you've lost yourself. Now let's get back to where you need to be. And mm. the process that helped me back then was just to start doing art I started yeah. making mosaics. Actually, first I started writing, which I'd never thought I'd ever do. And then I did mosaics. And then, and then 
the beauty of the mosaics, the, the actual technique, is that I could see that it was a metaphor for life, that I had all these fragments of myself that I had lost that I could bring together mm. and make a new picture. Mm. So I can see the the power of your work, your platform, mm. what you stand for is just amazing. Mm. It's beautiful. I, I say that myself, it is, it's beautiful because I just watched so many women arrive completely disorientated and so, so sad and feeling this sense of regret. And, you know, what I help them to understand is don't regret because all of that has, you know, it's been the sort of, the colourful, um, what do you call it, the tapestry of what you've yet to become, yeah, all of absolutely. that. And yeah. once they get that and I say to them, right, what's the part of you that you left behind that's just still on hold, waiting for you to go back and pick it up and run with it? And that for me was um, my business, the business, this business, um, it didn't look like this at all. And that's why I try to get, you know, women to understand. When I say it's unfinished business, don't go necessarily looking for it as it did then and try to seam it together. It's just, if it was, if you've always devoted yourself to your children, um, perhaps there's a bit of you that in the back of your mind, whilst you've been raising kids, you always thought I'd love to run a business. Well, that's the part of you that maybe we work on. Or if it's the fact that you say, do you know what, I've never had time to take care of me and my body and the way I feel about myself, well, maybe that's where we start, you know. Or if it's about relationships and you've never really buttoned them down, it's like, is that where we start? Do you know what I mean? So there is no, there's no right or wrong. It's just the unfinished business that you've felt, that you've packed up, haven't had time to focus on or haven't up until now felt was important and so it comes like you said at the very beginning of this in your 40s and 50s all of the things that you parked and you backed up because you're just too busy life's just just too busy you're focused on so many other things all of those things they come and they come with in a big black bag and they're saying sort me mm -hmm. sort me out take me out one at a time and just nurture me sort me out Park me, get rid of me, place me, but you're going to do something with me. Because midlife, Absolutely. midlife emotional state makes you take, well, it forces you to take action if it hits you in that way. I call it the feather brick truck moment. <laughs> I think it's a bit the universe also redirecting us and saying, haha, you forgot something here. That was your dream when you were younger. And uh, my dream was to be an artist. So I went for the mosaics and you have no idea how much it fulfilled me, how much joy it brought me. And it actually opened me up to what I'm doing today in the strangest possible way. Yeah. Because when I was doing that, I was tapping into my intuitive creative self that I had always had, but I parked it to focus on the law and yeah. focus on logic. And, and, and I could not continue to work with just half of me. Yeah. I had to bring that other bit of me. And then after that was an integration period. So I had like 15 years, 15 years, and now I'm whole. But I'd love for people to be able to do that from the very start. And I'm hoping that with the next generation, this is at least for my children, that it's going to be possible. And you're working with women who 
wanted to fit in and who were people pleaser. And I'm not saying this in a negative way at all. I think it's a wonderful thing. I'm like, I want everyone to be happy around me. This is, this is in my true nature. Um, but I don't realize the downside of it, which is I sacrifice myself without thinking about it. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself so everybody's happy. No, but it happens mm. along the way because I, I kind of not, not think of myself too much. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so this is, this is sacred work. Um, I'd like to know how long you've been in business, what you've been doing, and what led you into what you're doing now? Mm. It's funny that we're actually up. Again, I, when we agreed to do this interview, it was months and months ago. Little did I know that unconsciously I chose the 8th of March. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love I, that this is... I have no idea why I chose... I didn't sit and consciously look at the date of the 8th of March and say that's the day. But the 8th of March is a really special day. Obviously, it's International Women's Day, but it's my own International Women's Day. And I'll tell you, because when I was 21, um, I worked for um, the local government and I was sat, in, I was invited to, to, to go to... Um, a seminar and the, the you know was yeah basically the team that I was on it was like International Women's Day for some reason I was allowed to go and I sat in the room and I remember it being a really big round table event so this is like over 20 oh god I think it's we must be talking at least 30 years ago okay uh yeah 30 25 at least years ago and I remember sitting around this big round table and sitting there and feeling in awe I was like oh my god why am I here questioning how am I in this room with all of these women they're all powerful women etc etc because up until that point I don't think I'd ever had a role model in my life at all I, nobody that I could sorry obviously you know you, you say that and you should always come not should there are circumstances where one looks at their mother other than that, you know, I was just like, uh, the, the best I was ever going to get out of life was to go work for the, the company that I was working for, which is a you know, local government job for life. And that was the mentality. But on the 8th of March, 25 years ago, thereabouts, there stood this woman on stage called uh, Sahia Hashimi. I think that's her surname. Um, Sahar Hashimi, something like that. And she's the founder of um, Cafe Nero. And she told a story about being knocked back when she was trying to set up Cafe Nero and how this idea just popped as she was walking through the streets of an, in America. And she noticed all these coffee shops and she's like, there's nothing like this in England. And she wanted to bring the, the idea back to the UK. Um, to cut that story short, she told how she did that. She put five applications, her and her brother, put five applications into the bank and they kept refusing them. But she just, she went back, she kept going back to America and taking specific photos. She'd take photos of how they'd laid, the, you know, the little muffins out, the kind of cups that they used. And to the point where they chased her off and said, you know, hey, out, you know, because they clocked what she was doing. <laughs> and I found her fascinating. Um, I remember clock, I love fashion. So I remember clocking her outfit and thinking she had this little brown wrap dress on. She's a tiny little human. 
and she's delicate little thing. And I'm like looking at this tiny little human on the stage, commanding the presence in this room of yeah. all these women. And as I, as I observed all, all women, all these eyes were just focused on her. She had these lovely Gucci boots on. And it's like, why, why are you telling this detail? Because it all mattered to me in that moment. I was looking at somebody and I'm thinking, I'd like to do what she's doing. I'd like to be like she is. But up until that point, nothing had ever occurred to me to think like that or to be that. And Sahia, she inspired me on that day to want more, to be more, to have more. And it wasn't an immediate thing. It wasn't, I didn't leave the room thinking, right, this is how I'm going to do it. I think she planted a seed. Mm. And it took 12 years before I opened my mouth publicly and spoke, but I always knew where it came from. And then 12, 12 further years. And then here we are speaking on International Women's Day again, unconsciously. It wasn't, as I say, it wasn't planned. You, you gave me a whole range of dates. And I thought, oh, yeah, the 8th of March will be fine. I'll, I'll have enough time by then to sort of sort through what I'm doing. But it means so much to me because I can't ever not think about her and the impact she's had for me, my journey, my career, the way I think. And um, I wrote to her. I actually wrote to her oh, and said, wonderful. thank you. And she, she wrote back, she said, I had no idea that, you know, you've been following me all these years. And it was just like, you know, I'd give a little updates of what I am up to and what I'm not up to kind of thing. But that's how it started by that person, one person standing there on the stage and sharing a story about, you know, it's not about failure, it's feedback. It's not about, you know, looking at the knocks, it's just knocking on more doors. And she just said things that made sense to me in that moment. And as a result of that, I kind of, I'd left the council, um, maybe, I don't know, a few years after, probably within a year knowing me, because I take action quite quickly if I decide I'm going to do something. And then I became, I went into the sort of, you know, the private sector world. Um, so how am I doing what I'm doing now is because I had a, after I had my baby, my, which was, she's now 20, 19, after I had had her at two and a half years old, I decided I didn't want to go back into recruitment, which is where I was. And it just kind of fell out of my mouth that I wanted to own a shoe shop. <laughs> it was just like, okay, maybe her boots was the thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> no clue where it came from. Oh. But you know, I can tell you, I could describe the boots she had on to this minute. And it was just like, I've always liked shoes. I had never worked in a shoe shop in my entire life. The day I worked in the shoe shop was the day I had the keys for my own. And so, you know, I worked in this, I, I had this business, but when Jada was two and a half years old, she got a life-threatening illness. And my whole world sort of like cascaded, fell, fell, in, fell apart really, because, you know, that was happening. But so whilst I was saving one baby, I was losing another, you know, mm. and... Um, in many respects, a lot of the clients <clears throat> that used to come into that shop used to just talk to me because it was a boutique. It wasn't just a, a you know 
just a chop and really made yeah. it special yeah. yeah and they used to talk to me um about their life and where they were going with these shoes and what shoes did for them and after I ended up liquidating the shop I spent six months trying to figure out what to do and then this one day on the treadmill I just thought I'm going to ring there's, there's these companies, because the, the guy who helped me liquidate the company, I said to him, what's this call that you're doing? Because he was doing the talking and he was helping me feel better about the decision I'd made. And I said, what's this call that you're doing? And he said, consulting. And I said, okay. I said, do you do this for small businesses? And he said, not really. And I thought, hmm, well, I'd have loved to have somebody like you when I was going through the 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 depths of this, you know, handling the, the child and handling, you know, the staff and not knowing what I was doing. Yeah. So consciously I'd made my mind up that I'd love to help people in that way. And so um, I ended up making a phone call, as I said, just, I came off the treadmill, went home and I was looking through and I saw this business called Mind, I can't remember, Mind something or other. And I rang them and this lady answered, Midge, Midgey. And we got talking and as she's talking, I thought, this is exactly what we want. I want to do what you're doing with me right now. You are helping me sort through my life. You're helping me separate all these issues out. And I said to her, how do I train to do what you're doing? And that was that was in 2006. And I've been in the same, I say in the same space, I've never, ever changed my mind about what it is I'm here to do. I've, it's looked in different ways. It's it's come oh. in different forms. I've fought with titles and I've gone, no, I'm not a life coach. I'm not a business coach. I'm not a this and I'm, I've always been, it's not about what I'm not as opposed to what I am because I couldn't find the, the term for it. And so um, when I realised, actually, you're not trying to help people put their businesses together. You're not really just generically helping people sort out their bills. You are, help, you are a personal coach that works with business owners and business owners who are, whose lives are unraveling for whatever reason, because it, you know, if it's unraveling at home, then it impacts the business. If it's unraveling in the business, it impacts the home. And that's where I positioned. And so my journey has just been a reflection of where I've been at any one point. So the midlife rock star has just evolved because it's yet something else I'm looking at and thinking, hmm. So this is problematic too, because it's unraveling. And so I've just it's just wherever life unravels, I kind of pick up there and say, right, well, we'll focus on this for a few years until I think the next thing I'll be doing is something for pensioners. So who knows? <laughs> well, well I, do you know what? I think it would be wonderful to have a different um, blueprint yeah. for retirement. I can't personally think of retirement because I love my work so much, but uh, maybe those years where it's really completely 200% on your terms, whether yeah. you decide yeah. to work with a client or not. Yeah. Well, I think the whole, again, retirement, people retire in their thirties if they've made enough money. Mm. Yeah. But when you make, when you retire in your thirties and you've made enough money, it's not seen the same as when you retire in your 70s. That one is the one that we're like, mm, don't like that title. Because, but mm. if you're in your 30s and you say, I've retired, 
people are like, well, how, what, what, what did you do? I want to, I want to be able to retire from something to aspire to. Yeah. And yet, as you age, it's something to avoid. Um, and I would like, my dream would be to have everyone running towards midlife, like you do when you're 18, sort of running towards your 18. People can't wait when they're 14, you're, you're 14, you're like, I can't wait till I'm 18. And then it's, I can't wait till I'm 21. And then it's, can't wait till I'm 30. And then you celebrate the 40th. And then after that, we start going quiet. <laughs> and I'd like, to, I'd like to run towards the midlife because you've got all of that experience. You've got all that wealth, the wisdom, and so much, so much to bring to the table if only you knew how to lay it all out and make it work for you. Yeah. And it's also in midlife that we reinvent ourselves and actually probably live the life we should have lived from the start had well, we not I don't know someone else's model. I don't know if it's about the should because it's the shoulds. It's that, it's that, that label what causes the problem when we say we should have lived it. We've lived exactly the life we're meant to have lived. It's just at midlife. It is about honing it in and saying, okay, I've done that bit now. Reinventing yourself. Reinventing I have done that a couple of times. Yeah. I get it now. Mm. We're constantly reinventing ourselves. But it's as though you get to this point and it's like, I'm running out of time. Are you? We were always, life, we, we, it was always going to end. It is always going to end at some point. So make the bloody best of it. And this bit, you've got everything you need just need to hone in on your confidence and get really super sharp and clear about what this next reinvention looks like. But this mm. one's got, it's got few, it's got fewer obstacles, I think, in terms of where your attention's going and who you need to please. It's, and, and because we're not used to it, we're not used to the focus just, you know, saying, okay, I want to spend money on me and this is how I'm going to do it. I want to invest on this and this is what instead of you know oh well I need to I need to do this for Jimmy and I need to do this for Sarah and I need to do this for my husband or my partner they're they're really quite easy because we've been doing those roles for years mm. no different to when we you know professionally we go into an organization and they expect within three months or so you'll have found your feet ish Mm. and then you're doing that role for some time and you get really really good at it really good at it and then perhaps you say right okay I'm going to you, you find yourself you know I'm pregnant I'm having a child that's a brand new role again it's reinventing yourself mm. because we don't know what we're doing and we're spinning in that space but then we get really used to that and when we've got to reinvent ourselves because that that bit of our life is finished we start panicking and going oh it's all falling apart it's not falling apart any more than it did when you were pregnant and you had to reinvent yourself and you had to sit mm. there and work out what to do what does this cry mean I've got no clue and you know I don't know if this happened to you but I know that when I left my job as a lawyer I never thought I was attached to that identity mm. and yet so difficult because this is the first thing people ask you when they meet you what do you do yeah Sorry, I don't do anything. 
Yeah. I've just left my job. I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And just socially, and I isolated myself because it was so uncomfortable meeting people that were so attached to their own identities that they expected me to be something that I wasn't anymore. Yeah. And finding that is really hard. Finding a new identity can be tricky, but the clues are always there. I see that time and time again, the clues are always there. You know, they're they're formed quite young and go back and pick pieces of them up. I'm sure as hell you loved art when you were a kid, all that tapestry. You might not have done it that way, but you, be, you might have been artistic when you were a child. I was, I was a, very artistic. Yeah. And I the was funny a, thing, you go ahead, go ahead. But I was a connector as a child. I was that house where my mum would just say, she's not in. <laughs> <laughs> she's not in. And I'd be in the bedroom going, but I am. And she said, I'm sick to death with people knocking on your door, on this door. And she could go out and play and don't come back. And I'm still happily, busily connecting, loving it. And I've just come full circle, oh. full circle, doing what I love. That's amazing. Being part of the community. So now oh. we are in midlife and I've, I've, you know, focused on building community. Oh. Yeah. Right. My next question is, do you consider yourself intuitive? I have to say yes. Okay. Would you always have said yes, or is it more recent? Uh, no, I think I would have always said yes, but I was in denial of it. Okay. Um, probably because it, it, it can be quite, um, it can be a bit overwhelming to, to know something, but you don't know where you know it from, how you know it, why you feel what you feel. And there comes a point where you just kind of have to, well, you're embracing it. So I remember going off and doing a course and trying to get get my head around this. Um, sorry. Um, it's okay. No, it's all right. It's just a bit. Yeah, yeah just just um, getting my head around it and understanding how you know what you know and realizing that you don't need to. I have no clue. <laughs> oh, I know this basically. Yeah, because you, you know, you're looking for rationale. You're looking for evidence to know that you know that, and it's like, well, I just feel it. Yeah, and then you get if you act on it, you yeah. get the proof after yeah. you acted. Yeah, it's one of these things where you have to ha- take a leap of faith. Yeah. 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 I think I remember. Us having this discussion when you started your um your fresh from the hills where you said oh. I have no clue why I'm doing this yeah and you had to do it and and it's 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 a weird one because it's still you know I'm like what part did that what where where did that come from and why and yet it's slotting into the platform. It's led me to contacts. It's opened. It was where I got the, I suppose I rebuilt my confidence back from. It just didn't make sense as to 
I kept saying, well, I don't understand where this cooking, in fact, I kept calling it a side hustle because I didn't want, again, which is what you do with intuition. You try and dismiss it, deny oh. it, push it away, rename it, call it something else. So I was like, okay, this is hashtag side hustle. And <laughs> it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, the expectations we have from the intuition as well, isn't it? That it's going to look a certain way or it's going to get us the results or, and, and we just have to throw all that out the window, which is uncomfortable, isn't it? Very. Especially very when you, you want to know, I want to know. You want to know. We all want to know what's going to happen. Why are we doing this? Where is it going to lead us? Yeah, and where is it coming from? <laughs> That's a whole new debate. Maybe we should have another discussion on that. <laughs> right. So do you know how you receive your intuition? It's a feeling. Okay. It's usually... A feeling um, I'm trying to think it can come really quite strong almost so it's like it's loud it's 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 a feel it's, it's probably two ways to be honest it's a feeling usually in my stomach which can be really heavy and then there's a supportive voice okay. um, so for example on Saturday I went to my I went to we're in lockdown we're not supposed to say we went anywhere but I did <laughs> <laughs> I went to my friends where, where I'm in her bubble and um, she lives less than three minutes away from here but I had some stuff in the car that I needed to bring back to her. And it was, I have always just had, you know, I'm not a mask, I'm not somebody that drinks and drives or anything like that. But if I've had a drink or something, I would, I would drive home, you know. But for whatever reason, right even before I did, I'd set off, my daughter said to me, oh, um, are you going up to your friends tonight? Mum said, yeah. And then she said, are you driving back? And I said, no. And then <laughs> she said to me, okay. And literally I got there. And I've known her eight years and I've never not driven home. But when I got there, I said to her, oh, I'm just going to give you my car keys because I don't want to, I don't want to drive home tonight and I don't want to get com uh, confident and think that I should. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't drive home I don't know why I could it was like it was just just no we're not driving home um and you've yet to understand what that was about I walked home I walked home I fell up the steps but not because I've had alcohol but it was just it was just a really weird signal do oh. not drive home and then yesterday when I was out an air ambulance, I've never seen one before in my entire life, landed in the same spot that I was in. And it was just like, hmm. And then something else happened and it's happening in three, they always happen in threes and I'm like, hmm. And it's just like, what's going on here? 
what is going on here? So there's a third to happen. And then I'll know why I shouldn't have driven why I shouldn't have driven home, what the air ambulance was about. I mean, I stopped and talked to this guy and said, you know, well, what situation do you come out? What makes you come out? Blah, blah, blah. And he's telling me and explaining. And I'm like, okay. So there's another one for oh, me to actually you're patient enough to wait for those three yeah. signs. That's good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So I the next one is the is the question I love asking is what is the one big story of intuition that helped you significantly in your business? Um, with this platform, really, I mean, I've had many, but with this platform, I was due to launch it in November, 2019. And I'm in touch with an astrologist. Um, and I did a post on Facebook about, you know, coming soon. She's not somebody that her and I would pick up the phone and have a chat. And I was driving. Um, it was a long drive. I remember that. And she just rang me out of the blue. And she just said to me, um, oh, I just saw that you've put on that you're going to be launching your platform soon. She said, um, I don't know if it's a good idea. And I said, it's funny you should say that because I was just thinking that I was, I've been trying to get everything ready, but nothing was going right. Everything was stacked up against me. And um, I just thought, you know what? I need to leave it. And had I have done what I was planning to do, it would have absolutely collapsed by now. Absolutely. But because I left it, I've been able to get the clarity, get connected to the right people. And I feel I'm going to launch. Well, I feel like it's what I'm launching is absolutely, it's, it's like a complete different model of the version of what I wanted to set up. So it's, it's that kind of thing where you just think, wow, you know, and, and it was just really, I tagged her in that post. I don't know why I tagged her. I remember this, I tagged I tagged her in that post just because, you know, I knew she was waiting to get involved. And I just sort of like tagged her because I just thought oh, she's she's really wanting to hear what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And then it was just, it's just bizarre. So it's it's a situation like that where it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I listen to the signals as I'm going along, hmm. you know. That's powerful because intuition sometimes doesn't make sense at all. Well, does it ever, you say sometimes, does it ever, ever make sense? I think I've had some instances where intuition really made sense in a funny, crazy way, because it gave me a, such a different perspective on something. It's almost like I was looking from different eyes. So, but I would say probably most of the time it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's like a mystery. It's like, a, mm. Don't think you can put words around it sometimes. It's like, how do I know what I know? I don't. Where is this coming from? You don't. Um, follow it. Just follow where you're being guided to. And I, I, I'm so confident to trust it now, though. That's but amazing. Sometimes I forget that that's what's happening. Mm. You know? And I think that's where... You know, you think to yourself, oh, you, that whole pushing, 
that pushing oh. and just think, oh, hang, hang on, hang on. Stop, check in. It doesn't want you to go down there. All of these blocks and barricades and barrages are for a reason. Oh just, yeah, the energy is often very, um, yeah. very clear when you're not supposed to go down a road. Yeah. Uh, that your intuition doesn't want to go, you go down there. And I, I have the perfect example, actually. Um, there was this, this woman who was um, a psychic that uh, a very good friend of mine like raved about. She was the best ever on the planet, whatever it is. And I booked with her because at that time I needed a bit of counseling or guidance. And first she canceled my appointment and I rebooked. And uh, do you know what I mean? It's like I pushed, I pushed, I pushed. And it was the worst reading I've ever had. So, but because my friend said it was great, I went yeah. along. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, another example of that. Yeah, I'll give you another one was um, <clears throat> for the platform. It's always, it's <clears throat> the most, I'm pulling on the recent one. Again, like yourself, I was, I was introduced to this woman who was meant to be the best in the industry who was going to help me get this concierge platform off the ground. And I thought, okay, fabulous. And when I reached out to her, apparently she was on honeymoon. Um, she responded. And then, um, then she came back to me and everything about the communication was off right from the word go. And then when we did, I, on the call that we were having, I remember sitting there and not feeling in sync. It was just off. And I'm, and I'm like, <clears throat> if I'd have given thought to it, I'd have been saying to myself, you're forcing this. But I just wasn't, I wasn't Yvette that I know I can be. I was Yvette, I was a version of me. And there was something off. And we were always off and it came to making a payment to her. And she did and said a couple of things. And I thought, we're always going to be off. Everything about this conversation, everything from the minute you got introduced to her to right now is not working. And then I actually had the guts to just say, I'm sorry, I can't go ahead with this. And then I saw that she came back with everything that my stomach was telling me. She was mm. vicious. She was vile, she was vulgar, she was all of these things. And I thought, oh my God, had I got in, in, in a relationship with this woman, I'd have been locked into it for a long time because I would have been using that platform. And I'd have had to deal with this. Mm. I would have had to deal with this and it would, it would have been a, a case of, you know, getting myself out legally. But it was just listening and watching myself and, you know, just... And it's more difficult. I think both our examples show that if someone raves about someone and if yeah. this is an expert, and I think it's important for our listeners to hear this, yeah. then we can override our intuition. And if we lack the confidence, I have a feeling that the Yvette that answered that woman didn't feel confident and felt yeah. like she needed someone to tell her what to do. And so the, that was a perfect match for the mismatch. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. At the the lack of confidence in my ability to trust myself was being overridden by thinking, by handing over myself mm. to somebody who I felt knew more than me about what I yeah. wanted. And it's, that's, 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 that's a typical, it's, it's the, 
a no fail fail if that makes any sense it was just like I really want our listeners to hear that I was like so hell-bent on she knows more than me she's got the answers everyone else has used her it's worked for them but you know what it just wasn't going to work for me and and I was trying to make it work for me and it's like no listen to your intuition (laughs) that is definitely the sound that we need that's the reminder beautiful so do you have another minute uh because i have one more question that i ask all my guests yeah obviously people will know how to find you because we'll put it in the show notes and everything else but just tell us quickly where can people find you and then i'll ask you the last question okay you can find me on um facebook at midlife rockstars you can find me on linkedin um under my name is at pooliga and online the you know midlife rock stars is the platform anywhere where you look you'll find if you put in midlife rock stars you should be able to find me wonderful so my last question which is um i can't say it's my favorite i keep saying all my questions are my favorite but no (laughs) what would you say to someone who's afraid to use their intuition in business um What would I say to someone who's afraid? It never, ever lets you down. That's what I would say. But sometimes it's trying to work out which bits intuition compared to which bits rational or logical thinking. That's where it gets a little bit confusing. And if you're in the logical, rational thinking and you find yourself not being in flow or at ease, and then when you think about all of what you want and you're still bumping into problems, your intuition is probably speaking to you at a higher level and saying, come over here, do it this way. And that's when you just need to let go and say, do you know what? Let me try. Let me see what, let me see. I'll I'll go over here. I'll try this direction. But it's the flow. It's the flow of energy. Absolutely. Intuition and energy are so intimately linked. Yeah. Absolutely. It just feels right. Mm. Or for other people, you know, sounds right. Or, you know, you hear it is different types. Looks right. Or smells right. Smells (laughs) right. But yeah, you you just know you want to say you just know there's just it's like it's the subtlest subtlest not it is subtle and I want to say one thing um just to conclude our discussion today although I could talk to you for hours is that sometimes our ego which is an incredible shapeshifter disguises as our intuition yeah and it's trying to pull us away from the intuition by pretending um and I find that in these cases, uh, the voice is a lot louder than the intuition would be. The intuition is a much softer. Yeah. It can be strong, but it's soft. Whereas the ego is harsh and it's loud. Harsh. Yeah, yeah. Going back to that situation with the platform making the decision, that was really, that was the ego. Um, the ego part of me, hey, I wanted to be working with the best yeah. in the industry. Why wouldn't I? I wanted to have... I wanted to be a part of that platform where everyone goes and, you know, why wouldn't I? But the intuition was saying, no, 
just, it's not right. It was such a subtle whisper. And then it started to give me, as you call it, I've said it twice now in this call, started to give me feather brick truck moments just to let me know. It's like, okay, your feather was, she didn't rock up on time for your phone call. She's written to you in a manner that's made you feel quite upset. Um, your brick was, she's actually forgotten about the call. Um, now you're chasing her. In fact, you put the phone down and you're left wondering what to do, but you're paying her for guidance. Come on, is it, do you need any more than that? Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe. So I went back again and then it's like, okay, he, here's your brick. And she's, she's now going to say to you, now we want X number of pounds, but we didn't agree that. That's not what you said. Well, it just is. Like, well, you can't just surprise me. Well, here's your, here's, your favorite, here's your truck moment. Decide, do you want to continue working with somebody like this or not? And that was, that was as subtle as it, it was subtle to start off. And then it gets louder and louder and louder. True. Right, it looks like we've met, we've lost you a little bit. Um, I'm going to wait to see if the internet gets better. And if not, um, it looks like we're frozen. So I'm going to thank Yvette for all the wonderful things that she's shared and for coming live for us today. I want to thank all the uh, listeners for uh, watching, listening to this episode till the end. And I'll talk to you again in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.